In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we are featuring a song that defied the odds and rose to number one for four weeks in December of 1990. We talk about an artist who is self-proclaimed freestyle royalty. And this artist has a lot of hustle, but in his apartment building, there doesn't seem to be any walls. This is Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures episode on Because I Love You, The Postman Song by Stevie B. About a year ago, Bill, I came to you with an idea. Cage match. Timmy T versus Stevie B. And I know we talked about this during the Timmy T episode already. And your reaction was, who is Timmy T and who is Stevie B? We've already divin, dove, div, dove did, dive did. Yeah, all those sound wrong, but keep going. Into Timmy T in his own episode of Bill yep. and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Now it's our turn to look to Stevie B and the Postman song, Because I Love You. Both of these songs went to number one, but the Stevie B has a greater legacy, I think, since it was uh, four weeks at number one. Because I love you, my heart's an open door. Similarly to Timmy T, Stevie B had no business being at number one. Oh my goodness. It is a crazy confluence of things that somehow led to this moment. But December of 1990, Stevie B owns the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. And this is a U.S. phenomenon. It wasn't number one in Canada and a lot of other countries, but this is an American event. Yeah, and we're not saying that it didn't deserve to be at number one in the sense that it's a bad song. We're talking about it, so it's a great song, right? Right, Bill? Right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have complicated feelings about this song. <laughs> but we're talking about it not really belonging at number one because it didn't have that big machine behind it. It was a small independent release. didn't have huge money for promotion or a big record label behind it, promoting it and and pushing it through uh, radio play and through video and everything. But the little song that could makes it to number one and sits atop the mountain for four weeks. Yeah. Incredible. Now, do you know what's going on around this time of uh, the year in 1990? Uh, December 1990, Christmas. That's correct. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> also, The Iraq War is about to start. The Desert Storm is about to actually really get going in January that year. So that's hovering over the people's minds. And you know what? This makes a little bit of sense now because it's a response to a letter written to someone that they love. Yeah. And there's a history of these songs about Postman bringing letters. It's funny it's called The Postman since The Postman shows up just in the very first line. Yeah, he's a minor character in the whole uh, narrative of of this song. A MacGuffin, if you will. 
Did you know it as the Postman song or Because I Love You? I knew it as Because I Love You. Okay, yeah. And then I was just like, what? the Postman song? This has nothing to do about the mailman. Yeah, so, I mean, there was an argument on song facts for it being called the Postman more often, but I didn't remember this song till you brought it up last year. And I had sort of buried Timmy T and Stevie B in my memory. But the last couple days, everything has come back. And I remember not really liking this song. As a 13-year-old, waiting to hear something more upbeat. And oh man, this song is like five minutes long. I'm not going to lie. When it first like skyrocketed to the top of the charts that first week, I'm just like this song. But then I think like shortly thereafter, I couldn't wait to hear it again. Right. I It just sort of buried deep into me. Yeah. Is like a tick. Sure. A tick is one way you could put it <laughs> or... You could just say a great song buried deep inside and then slowly growing a tree out of you. Yeah. Does I that like sound the, better? I like the tree analogy much better than, you know, being bitten by an insect. Musically, and we'll, we'll talk about this, it's kind of thin, if yeah. you can say that. And that's how I felt towards this style of music. I didn't really like freestyle when I was a kid. There's something yeah. about it to me that sounded cheap. Like that a would, Casio keyboard. Yes. But now, as we've you know done research over the last year on different songs that were th- within the freestyle genre, you realize these are people who aren't backed by major companies. They don't yeah. have access to things. Mm-hmm. So they make do with the Casio keyboard, or they make do with whatever production tricks they can do. Yeah, the the standard 808 drum machine and, and the, the synths and whatever they can program. Yeah, and it spoke to people because mm-hmm. the freestyle style is very emotive. Yes. And it usually is a lot more upbeat, despite freestyle being known for these upbeat, horny type of songs. Yeah. It's always these chintzy ballads. It's that- always the ballads. <laughs> and that's the thing. If you want a number one song, write a ballad. Yep. And so you have Timmy T's got the ballad. You have Will to Power has a ballad, who is also referred to as Freestyle Expose. I don't know if Lisa Lisa ever made it, but I mean, all these songs were uh, part of it. Yeah. And just further on, on my point about when the song first came out and I was waiting for something a little bit more, I think it's the emotive part of the song and the way the music moves that made me feel, as a 13-year-old, I was just like, no, I'm a mature individual. I'm a mature adult who shares a room with his younger brother. And these are the types of songs that adults listen to. And this is me being grown up. And girls will like me because I'm grown up now. And you have these deep, sort of feelings of commitment, fidelity, all these sorts yes, of songs. Yes, absolutely, right? right? At 13 years old, I know in my 13-year-old brain that the first girl that I end up dating, I will end up marrying. That was the way my brain worked. Oh, totally, totally. And so these songs also lend themselves to that sort of feeling, despite the song's sort of origins being a little bit different, which we'll also get into. Yeah, here's a, uh, a shocking revelation for you. I'd never dated anyone as a 13-year-old. Shocking. <laughs> Thanks for pretending to be surprised. Well, yeah, well, we, we're, we're both speaking the same language. Yeah. <laughs> but we live these lives of love through listening to a lot of Phil Collins and Stevie B. Stevie B, yeah. We live vicariously through pop music. For better or more likely for worse. The good times, the bad times, they were on our side forevermore. That's what our friends were for. And you, dear listener, are also our friend because you found us. 
and you're listening to this. And so something about Stevie B is probably speaking to you and probably always has. So, Stevie B. Frank, how would you describe Stevie B? The man has hustle. Yes, that's exactly it. What do you have on Stevie B's early history there? So, he's been involved in the music industry in some way, shape, or form since the early 80s. Yeah. He's produced, he's written, he's been in musical acts as well, but never as a solo artist until the late 80s. Yeah. But he played tennis. He worked at fast food joints and car washes. He sold custom t-shirts. He ran a landscaping business and opened up a car stereo shop and even went and bought a nightclub in Tallahassee and opened a recording studio. Think about this. Within basically a decade, he did all of those things. And it was all to service his true passion, which was to become a recording artist. Yeah. He described himself in the following way. I made a total commitment. I felt that I had a decent voice and I wasn't, and we'll both appreciate this, and I wasn't the ugliest guy in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So if I was packaged right as an artist, I could do all right. So he has a drive unlike any other. Yeah. And he releases uh, a couple songs. Do you remember Part of Your Body? Vaguely. I listened to it again uh, while researching for this episode. So I listened to a bunch of his early singles, and I realized I heard them all the time on yeah. Kiss 98.5, which was the Buffalo sort of dancey Dance mainstream. Yeah. yeah. And that was the main one. Yes. That, that kind of hit the Billboard Hot 100 stuff. Yeah. And so they would play Let Me Be The One a lot. Yeah. And now what I'm realizing is that Stevie B was especially popular in pockets of the States. Wherever there was a strong Latino population, there Stevie B was finding his fans. And it kind of shaped the culture. It was pretty cool to see that in Florida, New York, freestyle music was really making its mark and spread across the country. Yeah, because he was part of the Miami freestyle scene. That's right, because there's a Miami freestyle scene, the New York, which is where um, Shannon let the music play, where it all began. And then there was the California one where you have... Where Timmy T. Timmy T, yeah. Yeah. The Fresno freestyle. Yeah. And Stevie B declares himself the king of freestyle. Yeah. And to be fair, he's probably right. I mean, he's still dedicated to it. There's a great rant on Facebook that I will maybe post. Great rant on Facebook is... That's kind of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Well, it's 12 minutes long. Oh, wow. And it's just... It's definitely set up by Stevie B, even though it says Stevie B's really angry or something. Check this out. But it's posted by Stevie B on his site as though it was like him catching him saying something. Yeah. And uh, he just goes off on anyone trying to do freestyle now and how they're not making the mark and they should do better. Yeah. He drops a couple choice words that I wouldn't use on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So the king is crowned in December of 1990 with this song. And just so we're clear where Stevie B gets his name from, like most freestyle artists, it's 
first name, initial. The B doesn't come from his last name. His proper full name is Stephen Bernard Hill. Stevie H really didn't have the right feel. Stevie B, that's all types of feel. That's right. So I guess for me, William John Hauser, I could go for Willie H, which doesn't work maybe. Or does it? It might. It might. Billy H, not quite. But if I go with the John, Billy J. Billy J. Willie J. No, Billy J. Yeah, Billy J. Frankie P. Right, oh yeah. I think we've established that already. And as soon as you said that, I wanted to keep saying that Spice Girls song. Do you remember Wannabe? Oh. Uh, Mel C, Mel B. Oh yeah. Uh, actually, interesting. They, they kind of took from oh, yeah. the, uh, the freestyle movement. Hmm. Because I Love You was actually a song that Stevie B heard like four years earlier five years from yeah 1985 and written by his former i think bandmate yeah uh stevie b started a duo called friday friday right with his friend warren allen brooks right and warren allen brooks wrote this song played it for him and stevie b said it sounded like a hit yeah but they sat on it for five years yeah it's interesting because there's a lot of other tunes that Stevie B's releasing, which, including ballads. Yeah. But this one did come out at the right time. Yes. Clearly. And it caught the moment, so The to cultural speak. zeitgeist. Exactly. I think I've used that term about 12 times. It was in my head, too. Okay. So the song actually isn't written for a girl. Yes. And uh, Tom Bryan's article, he digs up an interview from uh, from Warren Allen Brooks saying it was a song written to God. Yeah. So in the Billboard book of number ones, he says to whoever was interviewing him, he said, Because I Love You, to me, is a spiritual song. It was God talking to me, telling me that he loved me. It was like I had written him a letter, and he was telling me that he got my letter, and that he cared, and that whenever I needed him, he'd be there. I turned it into a pop song where the audience thinks it's about a male-female relationship, but it's really about me and God having a personal relationship. I did the music first, then the lyrics. Yeah, so when you read the lyrics and you listen to the song again, you can absolutely hear that in it. There's an ambiguity about the song. Yeah. But I believe the greater public would think of it as, as a love song between, well, two lovers. Yeah, you did a really good job of saying lovers there, Frank. We've I'm, come a long way. Therapy's really paying off for me. I can say things like lovers now without getting too sweaty or weirded out. Now, if you listen to the Spotify version of The Postman, Because I Love You, you'll see that Stevie B's uploaded a version that's similar. And, I mean, I think it's the same background. Yeah. But the vocal's slightly different. It's not unpleasant at all. But he changes a couple things and says the words like, Stevie B will know you'll al- will always be there for you yeah. at the end of it. And he mentions girl. I think they might yes. do that in the song. Or is that only in the I, version? I think, I think it's only in the version that is on Spotify. Right. So I couldn't find the original except by watching the YouTube video. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we'll talk about that video. Oh, absolutely. Point. We will. Well, the music came first. Yeah. So in a sense... When the song was written, the music was written as sort of a love song from God to us, or to, well, not to us, to to Warren Warren in particular. So, do you think, Frank, heaven's going to sound like a xylophone 
setting on a Casio keyboard. <laughs> I think there's certain pockets of heaven that sound like that. Yeah. I think most of heaven's going to sound like a Carly Rae Jepsen concert, but that's just me. I like the idea of there being a freestyle section that you can yeah. go to things you want. Well, it's going to be like Coachella, right? There's yeah. different stages and everything that you can go to. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So the opening is about maybe 30 seconds of instrumental before we get to the lyrics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would never be done today. No, We talked no. about this before, but in the Spotify era, you wouldn't have the patience for this because people would just turn it off. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, there's someone droning on on a keyboard and it's just taking forever to get like to the fun part of the song or the part of the song that they want to hear. Yeah. And I probably felt that way when I was 13, but I have grown up some. Yeah. It took some time. So, should we talk lyrics? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so I'm going to read the lyrics that I have from the internet, but I couldn't get a good version of it. I wasn't happy, but maybe you have a different one. Mm -hmm. I got your letter from the postman just the other day, so I decided to write you this song. And just to let you know exactly the way I feel, to let you know my love's for real. I got your letter from the postman just the other day. So I decided to write you the song Just to let you know Exactly the way I feel Let you know I really like the opening lines, the imagery that it kind of paints. Because here's a guy that gets a letter from presumably his best girl. And this letter so moving that he needs to respond in a song. It, it's a sweet sort of response, I think. Yeah. I used to speak in mixtapes to girls that I was too afraid to tell them how I felt. So I would give them these cryptic mixtapes with, you know, good songs with these like hidden sort of tracks in them that really said how I was feeling or, or what I thought about them because I, I was always terrified of girls. Yeah. But... I like that using this as the medium of how he is expressing his love for her. It's not just a letter. It's not just saying it's like, I'm creatively writing you this song because it's bigger than just words on a paper or uh, just me telling you I need to, it needs to be more than that. It needs to have sound and lyrics. Yes. Which is the equation for songs. And that's why we send mixtapes. Yes. Well, I also, I also like that he's very obvious about what's going on i feel like there's not a lot of like metaphor except for the fact that if it's about god writing a letter to you then the postman must be some angel or emissary going up to heaven into another realm then he's writing a song maybe on the harp but probably on a keyboard and then sending it back through the angel postman so, I mean, there's a lot going on there. Gabriel, get down there, deliver this letter. So there's definitely a super surface version and then a super deep version. Yeah. No space between. No. I'd say it's like the difference between heaven and earth, but Belinda Carlisle did tell us 
that they do intersect. Yeah. Heaven is a place on earth. Yeah. So I guess it does make sense. The postman can deliver letters. Yes. Okay. And that leads us to this chorus. Because I love you and I'll do anything, I'll give you my heart, my everything. Because I love you, I'll be right by your side to be your light, to be your guide. Because I love you Now, if it's not God writing this, yeah. it'd be kind of weird to say to your girlfriend, I will be your light, I'll be your guide. I feel like maybe it's an, an old way of speaking, but now it's like, hey, I'm there to let you do your thing. I guess you're correct in an old way of, of, of speaking because I think most people have like flashlights on their phones. So, right. you know, that's what they use for their light and their guide. But the imagery of being sort of that guiding light, that sort of steadying fixture out there that's, you know, helping them guiding the lighthouse or, you know, I'll leave a light on for you or the candle in the window. Just Oh, yeah. Just okay. that kind of, you know, it's all old timey sailor talk, but it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of sweet. It is. Okay. I take back how I was feeling. I now am uh, I'm back to thinking that they, they got the right idea. Again, the lyrics are ambiguous enough that it can swing either way. And these lyrics are pretty short. I mean, they only have two verses, right? And then the, the second verse that I'm about to read here yeah. repeats itself later after the bridge sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here's that second verse. And if you should feel that I don't really care and that you're starting to lose ground, just let me reassure you that you can count on me and that I'll always be around. Now that is, of course, freestyle heaven. Yeah. That's pure emotion, pure yeah. heart. Yeah. Yeah. I'll always be there for you. It's, I'll catch you when I, when you fall. That whole sentiment. This must have been hugely popular with like, I would think preteens and early teen girls would love this song. Yeah. Right? Which is why I loved it as a 13 year old. Cause I thought all girls would love this song. Well, I'm pretty sure most did. Yeah. At least our sisters did. I don't know if my sister liked oh, this really? song. Or I'm not. pretty sure my sister liked yeah? this. Yeah. I'll have to she ask. had to. I'll ask Rachel next time I see her. Okay. And then we go back into uh, the chorus, right? Yeah. And then after the chorus, we get that uh, bridge part. Yes. How did Tom Bryhan describe it? Yeah, so Tom Bryhan said, the song doesn't even have a proper bridge. Where the bridge would be, we get a quick keyboard riff that sounds like an eight-year-old playing on a xylophone. But there's a certain charm about it that he says. Totally. And it is charming. Yeah. And, you know, it... 
it is a bridge. I mean, that's a bridge, even though the bridge takes you right back to the previous verse. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like a Roundabout. circular bridge. It just sort of takes you right back to where you were. After that bridge, which is iconic in its own special way, it brings you back to the second verse. Now, on the version that he's released on Spotify and in all the other special singles he's put out, even on his greatest hits, Mm -hmm. he's added a couple things in this verse where he says, well, the main thing he says, instead of I will always be around, he says Stevie B will always be around, inserted himself in there. Yeah. The king of freestyle breaks the fourth wall yeah for stevie b this is a song between a man and a woman i mean there is another possibility i don't want to accuse him of this but do you think stevie b has a god complex well he has a royalty complex that's for sure he declared himself king of freestyle just let me reassure you that you can count on me And so then we head back to chorus, and then we come to that ending that is fairly long. I, I feel it's got to be about a minute long. Yeah. Of just the the instrumental. The song is bookended by those long instrumental pieces. The nice thing on the Spotify single version of this is it includes an entire instrumental version of this. Oh, serious? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you can just, you know, I wonder if this would help you sleep at night if you listen to oh, it. Maybe. I'll give it a shot tonight, maybe. The song is, it's pure emotion. It's pure melodrama. It's so saccharine. Yeah. It's all of these things. There is zero tension in this song. No, there's none. It's like, if you should feel this way, yeah, I'll be there. If this happens, I'll do this. And any sort of tension that could be there is implied through the letter that the postman delivers. And again, that postman being the minor character, but gets top billing in the, in the song title. What do you think was said in the letter? I don't know, but he felt like he needed to respond and tell his best girl how much he loved her. Because she's doubting him, maybe. Even though he says, if you should feel, I don't really care. Yeah. I wonder if she's laying out all her problems in her life. Maybe there's some concerns that she has, right? Right. Or that she's just in a really bad place. And he's letting her know that no matter what happens, he's going to be that constant. Yeah. Like that Friends song. Yeah. Or I was going to say that Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a uh, Mariah Carey Jackson 5, right? Because right, that's the right, cover, that's right? right. Yeah. That's that's true. Or you could say, is it the Four Tops or Temptations who have all be there? Uh, I think it's the Four Tops. Okay. I hope I'm not stepping on your mixtape. No, not yet. The other thing about the song, there are contradictions in the song in the way that the subject matter is so big and grandiose and, like I said, melodramatic, but the music behind it is kind of 
thin, like we, yeah. we mentioned before. Yeah. But that's that's kind of the freestyle thing, right? Yeah. Stevie B's vocals belie his physical stature. Here's a big dude. Like, yeah. he's a big, muscular dude. And he has these airy, soft, feathery vocals, like just soft and comforting. And you wouldn't think that a big guy, big muscular guy like Stevie B would sing softly and sweetly like this, necessarily. The only other person I think who'd be like that is Aaron Neville. Yes, I was just thinking that. Aaron Neville always looked to me like kind of a, possibly a biker. Yeah. Right, but I'm always thinking of the Linda Ronstadt video where they're singing to each other by the mirror. Yeah. But he always seemed so tough, and then he had such an angelic voice. Yeah, exactly. Now, you've done a lot of thinking about that music video, haven't you? I've done a bunch. Now, could you tell us about your sort of theories of the music video or your placement of the music video in music video history? I have questions about the music video. Mm -hmm. So here's a man who has this massive apartment with a grand piano in it, and he's mooning around, sort of walking around singing in a tuxedo. If you're a man who routinely wears tuxedos and has a grand piano, don't you think you have enough money to afford some walls in that apartment? Because... He just wanders over to his bed, which is in the same room as everything else. Like, it's just this massive studio apartment. And it's 1990, so I think walls were still in the fashion. Yeah. I mean, was it the 2000s where it was always about the open spaces? Open concept and everything, yeah. Like, I have this feeling that just on the edge of the video where, like, out of... uh, out of the camera shot, there's just a toilet sitting there on the wall or something. That's that's the feel. It is such a beautiful apartment. They have those fantastic radiators around the columns. Uh, when you watch it, it it is really quite beautiful. But it's like, man, put up some walls for a bedroom. Like a little privacy, man. Well, they need you with your architecture degree in there and set up those videos. And Unless, of course, that was just his bedroom. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, back in the 90s when I was watching these videos, I always assumed that whoever the performer was had all this money. Oh, yeah. They're and that this was their house, yeah. right? Like yeah, they, yeah. And then it turns out they got to go back to their smaller apartment somewhere. They keep hustling to get by. But I always assumed they were super wealthy. My other thought about the video is, because it is, like I said, this beautiful apartment shot. If this started the trend of the apartment video... Well, that's what I'm wondering. So tell me about these apartment videos. There's obviously Because I Love You. Yep. But the most iconic, I would say, apartment video would be Lisa Loeb's Stay. And that that one's a great video because it's a single shot. And, right, right. And she's running around her apartment. And it's such a beautiful song, too. I love that song. Are there walls in that apartment? There's walls in that apartment, yes. Much like there are walls in Natalie and Brulia's video, Torn. But the walls are being taken down because it's kind of a set uh, right. apartment. Okay. But yeah, so this is the first video that I can really recall that is just completely set in an apartment. I know that there's probably others. And this one actually didn't get a whole lot of play on like MTV or much music or anything like that, despite the fact that it was such a big song on the radio. This is always surprising to me where the Billboard Hot 100 will kind of diverge from MTV's sort of push. So you had the Sheriff song, 
that might have come out maybe the year before or that year. I mean, that was from the early 80s. Yeah. But um, When I'm With You, which is a, a song that went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 without a video to support it. Yeah. And then Timmy T, I don't think got a ton of video. Well, it's hard to know. I mean, that video is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he did get more love from MTV. But the Stevie B video definitely feels like it would have fit just perfectly. Yes, exactly. And one of the things I like about the video too is because he's he's singing and he's reminiscing and he's playing all through the verses and the chorus and everything. But that musical interlude, because it has that, that big shift from the rest of the song because everything else is like these sweet saccharine vocals and lyrics and piano. But then you get that little xylophone piece and that's a, like a flashback. Right. But it, it's shown from the outside of the apartment looking in on a rainy night. Is and, that when she's in there? And she's in there. Yes. Okay. So I think it plays well with the way the, the song works. And in the sense that maybe that's a look back at, a happier time or simpler time because it's so simple the music very astute observation there frank you have a hallmark movie that would go with this song i don't really have one I can make one up on the spot because I think that's how all Hallmark movies are made. Well, I'll tell you mine. Okay. It's a ghost story. It's <gasps> a Hallmark ghost story. Because I feel this song lends itself almost to a Patrick Swayze-esque vibe. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like there's someone who's hurting and they're getting this letter back. But that person's not there with them. So it's almost like there's a presence of this ghost, but they're not in the same realm. Okay. I don't know what the movie would look like, but it'd probably involve like the ghost's best friend trying to get with the other girl and he's got to try to save Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Yeah. And the ghost has unresolved business until... He meets Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. He has to express how he feels to his best girl. Yes. And she has to accept how he feels. This is the plot of Ghost, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think okay. it is. <laughs> so the Hallmark movie is Ghost. Yeah, there it is. Okay. What's your movie? I think in my Hallmark movie, the Postman has a bigger role in it. Oh, okay. So it is the called the Postman. Yeah. But so, not the Kevin Costner Postman. No, no. But in this version, it's the Postman who's delivering letters to this girl. But not in a creepy stalker way, but he's trying to express to her how he feels. But the letters don't have an author. This is getting like creepy and stalkerish, but he can't express himself. So he's writing these letters to his infatuation. Yeah. That are, are sweet and very helpful, saying, I'll be there for you. But she doesn't know who this person is. And it's not done. And I can't say this enough that it's not done in a creepy way, like yeah, the mixtapes I used to make. But... At the end, she finds out that it was the postman. And he's always giving inspiring and uplifting letters saying, you know, you're an important person. You're a good person. You can do all these things. You, 
I believe in you. And then she's able to succeed in life because someone is there supporting her. And then at the end, obviously, they meet up in New Hampshire and have a wedding. Perfect. (laughs) See, you made it up on the spot. That was a great Hallmark movie. Okay, let's go to your mixtape because I feel you've already, without saying it, declared yourself king of the (laughs) mixtape. Well, I have a 12-minute rant on Facebook about how everybody else's mixtapes are terrible. So my theme is obviously letters in the postal service. Okay. Was that similar to yours? No. Okay, fantastic. Because I go all over the place here. Okay. I'm looking forward to this. One of the things is there are a lot of songs, old songs, oldies, that reference Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes, uh, Return to Sender by Elvis Presley, songs like that, because that was the medium of communication. Right. More so than it is now. Like now it's text, DMs, and all that other sort of stuff. So... I tried to steer away from the old-timey songs and some more contemporary songs. Although, I'm going to start off with Side Steel Delivered, I'm Yours by Stevie Wonder. Okay, very good. It's a fantastic song. The Letter by The Box Tops. Oh, yeah. Which is the band that Alex Chilton was in before Big Star. That's right. Which is one of my favorite bands. Postcard by First Aid Kit. Love Letter by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Letter from an Occupant by The New Pornographers. Please Read the Letter, Robert Plant, Alison Krauss, which is a fantastic song. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to close it off with Picture Postcards from L.A. by Joshua Cadison. Oh, good. Do you remember that song? Yes. Oh, that's come back. Joshua Cadison. Yeah, that name comes back every once in a while. I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought it would be bigger. His music seemed to be written just for us. Somehow. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great. Those are great songs. Well done, Frank. So what's your theme? My theme are songs about God or from God, where people don't realize that it's actually about God, but they think it's about regular love relationships. Okay. okay. So my first one is Nobody by Selena Gomez. Okay. I don't think I know that one. It's it's uh it's good. Okay, cool. Um the next is To Be Alone With You, Sophie and Stevens. Okay, yep. Then I have Place in This World by Michael W. Smith. Oh yeah. We all knew it was about Yeah, we're doing that song, right? Yo, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Hanging by a moment, Lifehouse. Oh But you just gotta listen closely and like, wait a second, this is a praise and worship song. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then finally, the one that surprised me, I didn't realize that this one was about Jesus. Are You Gonna Go My Way, Lenny Kravitz. Oh, okay. Yeah, Are You Gonna Go My Way is Jesus calling people. Oh, really? And so if you go through the lyrics, you're like, wait a sec, all this is. I mean, I don't remember Jesus saying we need to dance and be in love, but in Lenny's world, I think that's true. I remember the first time I... I ever got to drive when I was 16. The first time I ever got to drive the car by myself, I was driving home from a restaurant that my family was at for like my sister's birthday yeah. or something like that. And he's like, hey, Frank, you can drive the car home by myself. No parental supervision. So of course I drove like an idiot. I remember distinctly this song coming on as I was driving through Queenston past Nate Holmes's place. And I saw him outside and I just thought I was the coolest person in the world because here I am driving a 1992 Cavalier with the windows down, blaring Lenny Kravitz, are you going to go my way in Queenston? <laughs> yeah. 
That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Did anyone come your way? No. 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 Okay. Michael Bolton. No. No, couldn't sing this song. Could. He oh, of course. Could, could. Yeah. But he's too powerful for this song. This is a good point. And it has me thinking as we kind of, we did the Michael Bolton thing, but I'm venturing a little bit into where this kind of fits into today's aesthetic. Yeah. Because we have Because I Love You from 1990. Mm-hmm. Now, if we jump almost 30 years to 2019, there's a song called Cuz I Love You by Lizzo. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it features the big Lizzo sound and the booming production. All these sorts of things that are supposed to be throwbacks to the 60s and 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. But it also speaks of our current time where loudness is what we're all about. And there isn't this sort of gentleness that Stevie B brings to it. So it's interesting. Both are called because I love you, because I love you type of thing. Yeah. But different feels for sure. And different attitudes. Yeah. Who do you think could cover this song? Sorry, I'm just throwing this out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let me pause and think. Well, I know Smokey Robinson could do a good job of this. Yeah. But he might be too smooth. But I still think he knows how to do it. Yeah. Okay, there's one. Like currently, do you think like a Sean Mendez could do this song? Hmm. Well, he could true. <laughs> Do you? Do you think? I think he could. Okay. I like Sean Mendes. I think that might be good. Yeah, I think he has the right voice to it to sing these big lyrics in a way that seems really sincere. Right. I'd be curious about Harry Styles, maybe. Oh, yeah. That would that might be something, but I, I don't think he could handle not making bigger, better production. Yeah. Yeah. And truth be told, I really don't know contemporary artists right now, so... Uh, Sean Mendez, Harry Styles, those are like two of the of the five people that I know that currently make music. Well, after listening to the Lizzo thing, I'm like, oh well, I time has passed me by. Yeah, I, know, I think right? I could like this, but it's just it's tougher. It's a different different era. I don't want to say that the greatest music ever came out in the '90s, but the greatest music ever came out in the '90s. Apparently, there's a study that says whatever you were in high school for is going to be whatever you think the greatest music is. Oh, those studies are right. If everybody went to high school in the 90s. That's right. <laughs> because I love you, I'll be right by your side. We'll throw that out to you there, dear listeners, that this song came from the greatest decade of music in history, according to two 45-year-olds. Oh, no, wait, you're 46. Oh, stop talking. Just go keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't think that, let me reassure you that you can count on us that we will always be around. And we hope, as you listen to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, that we can be a happy diversion for you, that we could be a light, be a guide. Thanks for listening.